Through the investigation or the development of sensitivity to the sense bases and the feeling that arises from contact, and then just the further reflection on the six elements, particularly in terms of not me, not mine, not myself, seeing them as they truly are, as being impermanent and impersonal and uh, not the ultimate refuge. And in uh, particular, in the uh, uh, contemplation of consciousness itself, seeing the arising of uh, consciousness independence on contact and the subsiding of uh, the arising and subsiding of the feeling uh, moment by moment uh, based on uh, contact, then uh, the, uh, this is the basis for developing a, a profound equanimity uh, which may be directed towards the sublime and subtle uh, states of meditation um, within the uh, um, immaterial attainments. It is a kind of a natural progression uh, uh, for those who have uh, investigated the jhanas uh, that uh, are within the jhana there's uh, the uh, arising of very uh, clear um, uh, blissful um, experience the uh, piti and sukha uh, based on uh, seclusion and again based on um, uh, one pointedness and that then uh, through the uh, uh, development of jhana, uh, those, the uh, agitation related to piti uh, uh, and sukha uh, comes to be seen as a burden, and then uh, the mind doesn't want to stay in the blissful state and gradually subsides towards becoming more and more equanimous, so that then the, uh, the fourth jhana uh, has a very strong uh, uh, the factor of equanimity is, is uh, very strong in the fourth jhana and um, it's said that uh, within that jhana there's the uh, perfection of um, uh, mindfulness and equanimity or you could say the perfection of mindfulness due to equanimity uh, and so then uh, with a profound equanimity, one has the um, possibility of uh, developing the uh, further um, immaterial meditations. But the, the Buddha points out the subtle danger in those immaterial meditations that if one has any 
uh, clinging to those uh, states than uh, rather than uh, reaching the ultimate goal uh, one would uh, uh, go to death with that uh, subtle clinging to a um, to that kind of state and uh, therefore uh, spend uh, many uh, tens of thousands of eons um, existing in that state uh, and those uh, those uh, states of existence are not I think usually uh, considered to be uh, the most uh, fruitful for gaining wisdom. So actually, it's uh, it's within the the um, uh, uh, jhana that that there's a, a strong uh, possibility for obtaining insight. There's a discussion in the. Uh, 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 commentary uh, uh, where and um, I think it's in the Visuddhi Maga it's, uh, it's commented that uh, within the state of jhana uh, one is not able to do um, the work of of gaining insight. Um, my uh, teacher, Bhante Benaratana, uh, uh, disputes this uh, uh, commentarial opposition, and his idea is that actually, that uh, because of the uh, uh, statement that um, within, uh, especially within Samasati, within the fourth jhana, that there's the perfection of sati, the perfection of mindfulness, uh, his idea is that. Within the jhana, you know exactly what's happening all the time. You really know where you are and what you're experiencing. So it's not that one's uh, going into um, an, a blank state or a state of unknowing, uh, but instead that the, the knowing has become even more powerful. But the perhaps you could say the um, volitional side has been, uh, is uh, uh, disabled. I'm not sure if others have uh, noticed that, but it's always seemed to me that uh, uh, the two uh, sides of the um, mental functioning, uh, the side which is uh, related to uh, cognizing or sort of like receiving experience, and then the side that's related to action and uh, uh, volitions. Uh, that uh, when one is involved in the volitional side of the mental process, uh, it creates a lot of sort of like a background noise or something, so that it's not um, uh, very easy to be uh, completely um, clear-minded while one is in the process of building up to evolution. Even uh, they say uh, outside of the Dharma in uh, psychology that that uh, what happens um, um, there may be um, 
some kind of experience of an unbalanced state um, that needs a correction. Uh, and the, at the very first instant, it's not experienced with so much intensity. But then, uh, through the mental process of uh, coming to a clear perception of what the situation is and putting a name on it, then that perception process is uh, pulling something out from the from our memories, uh, which will then bring out a whole other uh, a drawer full of uh, feeling. So there's the the feeling that you had about your the actual thing that's happening in the here and now. Then there's a perception, and then there's uh, additional uh, feelings. There, it's like the the memory is put in the same file cabinet with the uh, feelings that were associated when you experienced the same thing before. Uh, so then, uh, uh, that can um, uh, strengthen the uh, the tone of, of the pleasant or unpleasant aspect of it. And then, um, if one it gets into um, a proliferation, then there could be a sort of a, a, a discursive uh, thinking process where uh, uh, the mind uh, basically is uh, fabricating a, a story of uh, uh, justification, and the story then itself is arousing even more layers and layers of feeling, and so so then it it's a, a kind of a synergy or a, a symbiotic process that is creating an escalation of uh, uh, feeling until uh, finally the person is uh, sufficiently um, aroused to take action and to do something to get up off the seat and and, uh, and take some action and so that's uh, uh, that that process of arousal uh, seems to happen um, the most strongly when there's a lack of full awareness. But if anywhere in the midst of that uh, cycle of, of um, arousal towards action, if very clear awareness comes in, that can have a tendency to uh, put a damper or to to uh, uh, cut through this this uh, this uh, escalation, uh, and so then uh, 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 it's for that reason that it's uh, uh, difficult to obtain our um, final um, the liberating uh, insight that we're seeking for uh, while we're in the midst of uh, our activities in daily life, especially if we've got a lifestyle where uh, one is uh, habitually getting doing a lot of, of um, arousal uh, to become uh, emotionally uh, uh, activated or stimulated in order to do whatever it is that we we um, we uh, need to do in our daily life, 
way it's necessary to leave that behind and to come and to sit in a special circumstance like uh, being on the meditation cushion or in the uh, meditation retreat in order to uh, uh, give that a break and to to um, experience um, this uh, uh, not needing to do anything. Uh, sometimes it happens uh, during a retreat that people uh, re- remember um, something that they needed to do. Like, um, you know, it could happen that maybe there's some, um, like a relationship that's um, unresolved and it can come like very strongly into the mind saying, oh, I really should write a letter to this person and, you know, explain something or express something or, you know, apologize for something or um, to uh, make peace from a situation that's, um, that was left, um, you know, in a negative way. And, and so then uh, during the retreat, the student will be thinking, oh, let me just get a piece of paper and, and, and write this letter and send this letter. Uh, and it's, it's uh, very um, suitable within the retreat environment to like recognize and acknowledge and uh, that, that that may be a wholesome intention, a beautiful intention to uh, you know pacify something that was unpeaceful or to uh, resolve something that was um, a conflict or that was negative in some way. And uh, but for the to get the most uh, power from the retreat, uh, we don't um, recommend to like relieve the the pressure or the feeling by taking a break from the retreat to write a letter and put a letter in the mailbox. But instead, um, the idea is to simply acknowledge, you know, here's this uh, memory and it's unpleasant or uncomfortable and uh, uh, we can see that uh, forming this uh, different intention has a a pleasant aspect and and just uh, to just to see it, just to just to know what it is Um, but that during the retreat that we're not engaged with doing anything so I'll read the next uh, paragraph of the Dr. Vibhanga Sutta. So regarding the three kinds of feeling, the meditator understands it's impermanent, there's no holding to it, there's no delight in it. When they feel a pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling, uh, they feel it, he feels it detached. When he feels a feeling terminating with the body, he understands, I feel a feeling terminating with the body. When he feels a feeling terminating with life, he understands, I feel a feeling terminating with life. He understands, on the dissolution of the body, with the ending of life, all that is felt 
not being delighted in will become cool right here. Then uh, he gives this uh, metaphor. Uh, just as an oil lamp burns in dependence on oil and a wick, and when the oil and wick are used up, if it does not get any more fuel, it's extinguished from lack of fuel. Uh, so too, the feelings are experienced in this uh, detached way that instead of being uh, rolled into a uh, uh, a synergy of escalation where there's a pylon of a series of feelings in the same category that are uh, that are escalating instead each feeling moment has its own lifespan and has its own cessation uh, it's not attached so there's no grasping, there's no picking up of that feeling Therefore, a bhikkhu possessing this wisdom possesses the supreme foundation of wisdom. Uh, for this bhikkhus is the supreme noble wisdom, namely the knowledge of the destruction of all suffering. And so this is the uh, first of the aditta, or the first of the um, determinations are the first of the uh, foundations uh, that the Buddha is recommending is the foundation of truth. His deliverance being founded upon truth is unshakable, for that is false bhikkhu, which has a deceptive nature, and that is true, which has an undeceptive nature, nibbana. Therefore, a bhikkhu possessing this truth possesses the supreme foundation of truth. For this bhikkhus is the supreme noble truth, namely Nibbana, which has an undeceptive nature. Formerly, when he was ignorant, he undertook and accepted acquisitions. Now he has abandoned them, cut them off at the root, made them like a palm stump, done away with them so that they are no longer subject to future arising. And that will be uh, the relinquishment, uh, which is the uh, second of the uh, aditanas uh, that the Buddha uh, recommends. And when we say that we uh, take uh, refuge in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, uh, we're uh, taking refuge in... Um, the human uh, capacity for awakening the, the Buddha the uh, capacity to um, experience this uh, transformative uh, truth and uh, taking refuge in the Dhamma is taking refuge in this truth itself, in the actual uh, uh, fundamental nature of reality uh, when it's 
seen in this um, way which is uh, uh, purified of all kinds of uh, deceptions and distortions. And then the uh, 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 Sangha, um, the, the significance of the uh, Sangha is that uh, this uh, awakening uh, when it's accomplished by a Buddha it's not a unique one-off kind of event that only happens you know once in an aeon or once in a very rare while to a person who's got his uh, uh, unique uh, accumulation of the uh, perfections and the uh, circumstances that uh, permit coming into this awakening. Uh, but it's also something that uh, through the uh, uh, transmission of the Dhamma is then uh, accessible to uh, a person uh, to the uh, community of persons who have a chance to hear um, the, the Dhamma and undertake uh, training in a particular way. Uh, uh, so there's this uh, uh, promise that awakening is attainable, that one does not have to be a Sammasambuddha, this uh, a unique individual who only comes about once in a, um, in, in a, in an eon or something, uh, in order to wake up. Uh, but instead the, the markers are laid down, uh, the pathway is shown, uh, the path of training is shown, and one is able to then uh, 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 undertake uh, the training with the confidence that uh, um, this training would lead towards awakening, and that this training would not lead in the opposite direction. It would not lead us to... Uh, um, you know, perpetuating, uh, strengthening our, our being trapped in the cycle of samsara. Um, in this way, um, the fact of causality uh, which is given in term, the Four Noble Truths is like a special case of causation. So there is dukkha, there is the cause of, of dukkha. Uh, there is, uh, when the cause is removed, there is a cessation of dukkha. And there is a way uh, leading to the cessation of dukkha. So there is a way to uh, bring about uh, removing the causes which support the perpetuation of dukkha. And, and so then it's, it's possible to, uh, 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 for our dukkha to uh, come to an end. Uh, uh, but then, in another way, uh, uh, Nibbana is an opposite to what's called Sankara, or formations. Um, and in a certain way, uh, formations are a conceiving 
uh, you could think of it as being a kind of a mental construction which is uh, constantly uh, tending to take us away from the actual experience of reality as it is. Um, so then, if you uh, consider, um, um, you know, here's uh, science and um, the um, uh, plants and animals have all been uh, classified and named, and um, it's it's been um, uh, become you know clear um, which uh, what is a species and that you know species only um, can breed I guess with their own kind and and um, there's a certain amount of variation within the species, but it has these uh, fixed characteristics. And any um, you know bird that um, has this set of characteristics is called a robin. And um, is the robin is related to um, a group of other similar species, which are called thrushes, and the thrushes are part of um, uh, uh, some other uh, uh, subset of a subset. And and uh, with all of this um, uh, um, uh, uh, construction, uh, this identification of the signs and symbols of how we make these uh, distinctions, that's useful in a practical way. It's not an evil thing. But it still is something that can be sort of like uh, putting up a barrier to actually having um, the full direct experience of sitting in the garden and seeing a robin or hearing a robin. So, so those those are are like two. Uh, uh, that's that's the the danger that we have with with uh, with the fabrications, and just the same way that the whole other set of fabrications that are related to our our goals can uh, get in the way of life. Um, you can see this in um, uh, a moral sense if you consider how uh, some parents uh, uh, especially uh, uh, parents uh, who are in a working class uh, situation have a a very uh, uh, strong uh, desire for their uh, children uh, to be uh, successful. And so they, they want to provide uh, economic security to the family. And so then you can have uh, families where the two parents are working uh, multiple jobs, trying to uh, build up enough wealth uh, so that the children will be able to um, you know, go to college or get their start in business or to, to um, do what, what seems to be needed for their children to become successful. But because the parents are so busy uh, with earning and then um, uh, the children uh, are missing what they really wanted the most, which was to, be, to have the, uh, the presence of the parent, to have the, the actuality of the, of the uh, parental love 
um, expressed in a different way. So then the, it's like our, our goals have, can sometimes get in the way of, of um, uh, what's, what's really um, uh, suitable. And there's another um, example about the truth that I something I read in the paper a long time ago, years ago, that seemed very poignant to me. Um, there was a a person who was a, a fraud um, who. Um, was uh, posing as the um, black sheep son of one of the uh, wealthiest of the um, American great families and was um, um, uh, uh, stealing money by uh, tricking people into um, investing with him. Uh, so this uh, person had um, uh, rented an apartment on uh, Fifth Avenue and bought uh, some uh, expensive works of art and uh, to put in the apartment and I guess gotten a wardrobe and some other things that would be like the accoutrements of uh, wealthy and a highly um, uh, cultured um, um, accoutrements of the ruling class and then was using that to uh, uh, trick people. Uh, but the thing that seemed... Uh, pointed to me was that uh, keeping up this charade must have been so so much effort and so much work and, and so much anxiety that there's like lies and lies and lies and, and trying to always um, keep the story straight and not to uh, let anything um, uh, slip or let anything show um, so, so that then um, uh, uh, we can see that by like, carrying a false flag is very uh, stressful. And so uh, many of the uh, labels that we have in a way that we carry as part of our identity are a type of a false flag. So we might think of being a man or being a woman or being um, uh, of a... Um, um, like uh, when I came here to California, I was very aware of being an Easterner, um, which is uh, culturally different than the California people. And, um, and so uh, uh, I, I, I carrying, uh, trying to uh, live up to some type of a concept of what we are uh, supposed to be that can be uh, uh, stressful, and uh, one of the um, uh, metaphors for Nibbana is to put the flag down. So instead of you know carrying around this the weight of the, this flag of our identity, we just uh, put it down, and then that's the that's the end of of that stress. Um, Whatever is done in terms of 
using concepts and signs as a shortcut to uh, mark out and uh, uh, organize our reality in a way so that we're able to go through life. If one can experience all of those uh, constructions as being very provisional, uh, just something that's being used uh, temporarily, which is is kind of a like the uh, the constructions are sort of like a screen in between uh, uh, the person and, and the and the and the actual reality, and uh, somehow or other, uh, with the the development of wisdom or the development of truth, that this. Uh, a uh, screen becomes something that becomes like thinner and thinner and more uh, transparent and, and something that doesn't need to be um, insisted on or need to be held onto or something that needs to be kept uh, rigidly. But it's uh, simply something that's being picked up and used uh, for a purpose. But then it's very easy at any moment if, if that uh, construction becomes not useful, it can just be put down. Um, there's a way that um, when one is uh, caught up in the web of um, uh, circumstances uh, that a person can be very uh, hemmed in and bound and uh, caught in a, a sort of like a, a web of of uh, conditions. It would be like uh, if you've um, purchased a home and you have a mortgage and you have to pay the mortgage and then you have to keep the job and then um, there are like things that you need to do to be successful in keeping the job that are maybe not compatible with your, your high school but you you just you know, sort of have to, and then you you have to be, um, you know, concerned, and you don't want to disappoint your boss, and you don't want to disappoint your spouse, and you don't want to uh, um, disappoint your children, and so you, you're ending up with uh, uh, being uh, bound uh, with uh, so many uh, commitments and obligations, and the whole life is spent, and you're, you're working, um, you know, long days, uh, you know, get up in the morning and you have to take care of your family in the morning and then you have to go to work and take care of your your boss and then uh, when you come home uh, maybe there's you know, more uh, responsibilities that you have with your family and you, you have to um, you know, take your um, uh, uh, child to uh, some kind of sport activity or uh, theater or something like that you know, their, their musical performances or whatever uh, children are doing and you've got to be present for that and, and then at the same time in this day and age people carry their device around with them and so your your boss or your client can be like beeping you even while you're um, sitting in the auditorium watching your, your child at, in a performance um, and 
and uh, and it's this uh, just this uh, continuous uh, buildup of of, um, of stress and exhaustion because of of feeling so um, like hemmed in by contingencies. There's a certain way that the truth is like a the knife that cuts through this Gordian knot of uh, of cause and effect, and in a certain way, the truth is like the grace that allows you to circumvent all of these these conditions. This is manifest or shown in a um, metaphorical way in a lot of the um, uh, Jataka stories about the perfection of truth. You know, that uh, perfections or the paramis were developed by the um, uh, bodhisattva uh, through many uh, lifetimes. Uh, And it's the result of having the perfection of truth, of generosity, of wisdom, and so forth, that the uh, Bodhisattva finally reached the state of uh, coming into uh, his last birth, uh, where there's the chance for the, the final awakening. Uh, uh, in um, One of the um, uh, stories about the um, perfection of truth um, is the uh, story of the little quail who um, uh, was uh, not yet able to fly and not yet able to Walk had just been born and just been hatched out, and then uh, when the fire came, uh, the parents uh, flew away, and uh, uh, the quail was uh, trapped in his nest, the baby quail, and uh, uh, his uh, truth was uh, he uh, spoke to the fire god and said, "Oh, fire god." I'm only this tiny thing and I'm not able to fly away. Uh, By the power of this truth, uh, please stop a fire. And uh, so based on that uh, uh, true statement, uh, the fire stopped. And uh, uh, so a certain distance away, uh, the fire went all around, but it didn't go close to that tree. And it didn't, uh, didn't cause that, that harm. So this is sort of like a, a miracle that nature stopped in its course. So what, is, uh, what we say is nature is it's following its own laws of cause and effect and cause and effect. Uh, so, um, uh, or you could compare it to a feud you know, if um, one of your somebody uh, kills uh, your relative, and you feel that it's necessary to uh, have justice, and so that then uh, your family would organize to find the 
perpetrator and uh, kill the perpetrator, but then the perpetrator's family wants justice, and then they would uh, uh, come after, uh, come back at uh, the member of your family and so forth. And that's how how uh, uh, these uh, um, uh, dukkha becomes uh, socially uh, perpetuated in an unending cycle. But that the Buddha is able to uh, take these kind of uh, uh, disturbances, these views, and he, he just says, stop. Just stop. And, and with that truth, the parties are able to just stop and put down, lay down their weapon and just give up the feud. Just give up their anger. So, um, in a certain way, when they do that, it's um, overturning the law of nature. I guess you could say that getting revenge is the law of nature. And it, it can just be overturned by the power of the truth. Um, so then... Um, Um, because of impermanence, our situation is continuously deteriorating and falling away from being just the way we want it to be. And we're constantly uh, pushing the boulder up the mountain, trying to again uh, make our external circumstance to become um, comfortable or to become right. Uh, so we have this this um, endless work that endlessly things are falling apart and we're trying to put them back together. They're falling apart and we're trying to put them back together. Uh, but uh, the truth, when we realize the truth, we can just stop and say, well, we don't have to put them together. It just, it is what it is. We can be perfectly at ease and comfortable with the whole catastrophe. Just um, uh, knowing that um, what we're experiencing is the nature of reality and just being at ease with it, just allowing it. And then, uh, so... In that way, uh, when the feeling arises, we don't have to pick it up and make something else to, to go on uh, through our volition. We don't have to go on. We're able to give up all formations. We can give up all volitions and just allow when... Uh, a feeling or an experience comes to an end, allow it to come to its end. And so that's how uh, we don't have any uh, inclination to perpetuate um, our existence, um, how we uh, realize um, the Nibbana in the sense of being uh, cooled down. Uh, so I hope this was... Uh, 
uh, clear enough, and uh, that may be enough for tonight. Sadhu, 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 Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.